0: Lord for thy great plan That we thy dwelling place
1: may be
2: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee Brought to you by Living Stream Ministry Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures Jesus himself said in John 663 The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s, and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life-study messages in 1974 completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. The Bible is so marvelous. Not only do the teachings convey truth to us, the parables and the stories illustrate those truths. And even more marvelous, eventually we discover that even the arrangement And sequence of the stories and accounts in the Bible help to underscore those truths. One example is found in Luke 18, where the Lord Jesus, for the third time, tries to unveil his coming death and resurrection to his disciples, but they simply do not have eyes to see or ears to hear. Then, the Lord Jesus, in a wonderful display of his sovereign arrangement, heals a blind man, who, in reality, were the blind ones in this passage. Gary Evans has joined us again as we explore a wonderful portion in Luke chapter 18. Gary, welcome back to the program.
1: Uh, thank you, Chris. Again, it's so good to be here with the Life Study of the Bible.
2: We have another message today regarding the Lord speaking, Gary, while he was journeying to Jerusalem. Uh, of course, he was originally with the disciples far away in Galilee, and they traveled through Samaria, the land of rejection, and now they're approaching Jerusalem. Uh, and on two previous occasions, he had tried to speak to them regarding his death and resurrection, uh, which was what he knew awaited him in Jerusalem, but they just couldn't hear it. Now, we come to this uh, passage in, again in chapter 18, near the end of the chapter, and he tells them once again, only this time in great detail. Let's listen to his words here, and I'm going to pick it up in Luke 18, verse 31. And taking the twelve aside, he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And all things which have been written through the prophets regarding the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be delivered up to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and outrageously treated, and spit upon. And when they have scourged him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. And they understood none of these things, and this saying was hidden from them, and they did not know what was being said." Gary, the detail here is so clear. It's uh, uh, We'd have to say it's very much prophetic, isn't it?
1: Well, yes, Chris. In fact, it's prophetic in two ways. It's prophetic in that the Lord was foretelling what was going to happen to him, and in very clear words, he was predicting his crucifixion, and praise the Lord, his resurrection as well. But it also is prophetic when you carefully look at it from our vantage point. As we read these verses, it's so clear what the Lord was talking about, and it's incredulous to us that they couldn't understand these things. Like it says this saying was hidden for them. They didn't know what was being said. But even that, in a sense, is prophetic of the way the majority of the world has responded to the clear presentation of the gospel of Christ.
2: Gary, today, one of the things that I want to point out to our listeners as we uh, prepare to join Witness Lee uh, is that not only is the message itself and then this coming sequence where the blind man is healed in and of themselves, these are important passages, but it's the way they're arranged in Luke that is uh, of particular interest, isn't it?
1: That's right. The arrangement in Luke is Luke purposely chose to arrange his book the way that he did. Now, his gospel is considered very much to be a more or less biographical, more or less historical account of Christ. But he did take what we could call poetic license under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to arrange things in the way of significance, and that's what
2: we're going to see today. Gary, why don't we join Witness Lee, and then you and I will be back to have some fellowship about this. Good.
0: i So many things covered in his long talk, the Lord asked these twelve to be away from the crowd that he may speak a private word to them. And what is this private word? That is, he was going to die in Jerusalem. He told the disciples the third time in much detail, taking the twelve aside, He said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things will be accomplished which have been written through the prophets regarding the Son of Man. For he will be delivered up to Gentiles and will be mocked. And when they had scourged him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise very much in detail. Yet, listen, they understood none of the things. They were just like 12 cows there. <laughs> the man saviors speaking was like playing music, fine music. Those cows just couldn't understand a bit. And this thing was hidden from them, and they did not know what was being said. The Lord used the simple human words, yet they just couldn't apprehend. They couldn't grasp why they were all together in another kingdom. They were in their own kingdom. They had no heart for the kingdom of God. These twelve are altogether blind. They couldn't apprehend What the Lord talked about because they didn't have the perception. They didn't have the insight. So they were blind. Now you understand why following this there was a case of a blind man.
2: Gary, it's very striking. You used a word, uh, I think, in our introduction today, I believe you said, incredulous. And I'm thinking that again. Not only uh, were the disciples with him and unable to hear, but we just heard that they were in another kingdom. What I'm getting at, Gary, these were the disciples. They were picked by the Lord. They had been with him, and yet they were in a completely different sphere or realm as he was unveiling God's plan to them. This uh, can be our condition as well, can't it?
1: Well, very much so. And I like the illustration that uh, Brother Lee used there in a very humorous way, that they were like cows. Because I remember very clearly one time being in a foreign country, we were at a marketplace where they would bring the cows in and people could pick the cow for the butcher. And then people would select their cow. And and I watched them lead this cow off into a room and then you would hear the gunshot and they actually (laughs) shot the cow there. and, And they did this over and over again. And and these cows never had an idea what was going on. But every human knew. Every human being in that marketplace knew what was going on. The cows were hearing the words, hearing the gunfire even, and never got a clue. And it's because they're in another kingdom. You know, we, we often think of kingdom in the sense of just being a rule or an administration, such as uh, the realm of England and, and the British kingdom. But according to the Bible and in God's view, a kingdom also has an organic side to it, Chris, Right, such as in John chapter 3. The way to get into God's kingdom is to be born again, or also, as the Lord said, to be born of God. You know, to be in God's kingdom, you have to have God's life. You know, it's very much as in the biological realm. To be in the human kingdom, you have to have the human life. Chris, to be in God's kingdom is not just a matter of being under God's rule, though it does include that It is a matter of having God's life. So cats and dogs have a difficult time understanding the human kingdom. We human beings have a difficult time understanding and perceiving the things of God when we're not in God's kingdom. What I mean, Chris, is when we don't have God's life. But when God's life comes into us, Chris, the light comes. Remember in John 1, 4, that John says there in him was life, and the life was the light. Right. And also in the same writer in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he says, God is light. To understand the things related to Christ and His wonderful person and His plan, we need God Himself, the life of God. To be the light within our being. That's why the disciples didn't understand these things until later. In John 14, it's in verse 26. The Lord told them that the Comforter will come, the Spirit of reality, and that He will remind you of all the things that I have said to you. And he'll teach you, so the Lord even knew that these words won't mean anything until they have received the spirit that is till they have received the life of God and entered into god's kingdom
2: so Gary, um I think most believers would read this passage and consider my, if we could have just have had that opportunity to be with the Lord to be travelling with him to hear him firsthand, but still that wasn't enough for the disciples, it wouldn't be enough for us if the life Within does not match the word that he's speaking. There's no way to get it.
1: Chris, that's why the Lord called John the Baptist the least in the kingdom, because he didn't live long enough to be regenerated. So even though he was a great and faithful servant of God, he's least in the kingdom because he didn't have that opportunity like Peter and Paul did to receive the divine life. It's better to live
2: in this age. Well, Gary, we began the program today talking a bit about the sequence that we were going to see. We're going to come to that point now, uh, because the next thing that follows in Luke chapter 18, right after this account of the disciples being unable to apprehend his word, is the story of the Lord healing a blind man. In verse 35, it says, as he drew near to Jericho, a certain blind man was sitting by the road begging and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this might be. And they told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was passing by. And he shouted, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those going before rebuked him so that he would be silent. But he cried out much more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus, standing still, commanded that he be led to him. And when he drew near, he questioned him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God, and all the people seeing it gave praise to God. Gary, the point that we want to bring to our listeners, not just a wonderful account of a miracle, the Lord healing a blind one, was that purposely Luke has arranged this immediately following this account of the disciples who really were the cows trying to listen to the music. And I think Witness Lee will highlight this very much as we get into this next section.
0: Verse 35 says, And it came about that he drew near to Jericho. Here's a problem. What problem? He was there in Bethany in chapter 10. Now in chapter 19, he came back to Jericho. Actually, not so. The sequence is not according to history, but according to morality. Look, put two things together according to his point of the high standard of morality. Now, another point. He was about to do near to Jericho, right? Then the healing of the bad man must occur before he's entering into Jericho. But Matthew 20 and Mark 10 say that the healing occurred at his going out from Jericho. All the teachers of the Bible try to reconcile this. No one can do it. Anyhow, listen. Luke's narrative has a spiritual bearing. The blind man's receiving of sight was followed in chapter 19 by the salvation of Zacchaeus. This blind man's healing, receiving sight, was followed by the guest receiving of salvation. This indicates that to receive salvation first requires sight to see the Savior. These two cases occurring in Jericho should be considered spiritually as one complete case. A sinner in darkness needs to receive sight that he may realize his need of salvation.
2: Gary, he pointed out here that if we approach the Bible simply as a book of history, it appears to be uh, inconsistent. Matthew and Mark have an account that indicates the chronology is different than what we're seeing in Luke. But I know we've touched this in previous life studies, that the significance or the sequence of the Bible is not always arranged according to history, is it?
1: Well, no, not at all. In fact, uh, the Gospel of John is very much arranged according to significance, not according to historicity. And John, at times, is very obvious in choosing an order that is not chronological. All the events, of course, did happen. They are historical and they are accurate. But the arrangement of the Gospels and the events in them is according to significance, more than chronology. God cares more for the significance than the chronology. For instance, in John chapter 2, it's it's so obvious. He says that this happened on one day, then the next day, then the next day, and then the third day, talking about the wedding feast there in Cana. And when you read it, it's obvious that that's the fourth day, not the third day. But John says on the third day that the Lord came to this wedding. Why? Because the third day typifies Christ in resurrection. The Lord was resurrected on the third day. And what John is trying to say there is that the Lord visited Cana and this wedding feast in resurrection. This was Christ in resurrection coming to lost people. And now Luke does the same thing, Chris. Luke wants to illustrate to us that we need sight and That the reason we're not able to understand the Lord's words, such as his prophecy about his crucifixion and resurrection, is because we need the Lord to give us sight. So he inserts here the healing of the blind man right after they're not understanding him and right before the salvation of Zacchaeus.
2: Gary, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on Zacchaeus, but uh, we will touch it a little bit in this coming section because here again we have another instance of another person who is spiritually blind getting healed. And now we have the blind disciples, the healing of a blind man, and then the salvation of the blind Zacchaeus. So the sequence again remains very significant. Let's go back to Witness Lee for this final portion.
0: After his unveiling of his death and resurrection to the 12 who were thus far still blind. And they were represented by the blind man. You see? So, right away after that, according to Rook's sequence, a case of blind man follows. And he healed the blind man. And you have to realize his healing of the blind man just signifies his dealing. With the blindness of the twelve. This is why it is not so easy to understand the Holy Bible. You must get into the spirit of the writing. The spirit of the writing here is to show us all his followers, even the twelve chosen ones, were blind. Not only the Pharisees didn't have the perception to see the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God, even the twelve, don't forget, among the twelve, three were there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, they were all there. Yet they didn't see anything because they were blind. Not only they, all the crowds. All the followers at that time were blind. Not only this one sitting at the gate of Jericho, he was blind. All of them were blind. Everybody was blind. So to say a little concerned that you know what I'm going to say. Oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. Amen. We need your healing. Amen. We need to receive the sight. Amen. We need to see something not just to hear something. Oh, yes. The Bible in the New Testament says, we may hear, yet we don't understand. We may see, yet we don't perceive. So we have to pray that the Lord would have mercy upon us, that we would just empty ourselves to see something. Some of you were there in the Lord for years. You may think subconsciously, that you knew a lot. Actually, we all are still blind. We don't see what we should see. And we are unable to see what we should see, because we just are short of the sight. We need the healing.
2: Well, Gary, I think... uh We have a blind man, we have 12 disciples who illustrated their blindness, we have Zacchaeus who we'll find out about very shortly, and then there's us. Uh, I think that we all uh, really need the Lord to touch our eyes, don't we, in a healing way.
1: Everyone there is a picture of us. We're all blind, we all need the Lord to give us sight. And Chris, I think it's also very good that the Lord Jesus picked Zacchaeus to be the example Really, of all of us. I know sometimes we like to think he's an example of the worst sinner, so the Lord chose him to show that anybody can be saved, but really, He chose Zacchaeus there to be a picture of all of us, of how blind we really are, and how much we are in need of Christ to be our Savior. And just to illustrate that, I'd like to tell you something a little bit about Zacchaeus' job from history. Now, see, Zacchaeus was what even the Bible calls him a chief tax collector. That means he's the chiefest of sinners, really. But according to Roman history, he not only was a chief tax collector, he worked for the worst of the worst. Now, the Romans, their nobility were divided mainly into two classes at this time, those that wanted to go into politics and those that wanted to go into business. The Roman nobility that wanted to go into politics became senators. They were the elite. The Roman nobility that wanted to go into business became publicans. Listen, Chris, they were even titled knights. And they went throughout the Roman Empire and made business on all of the people that were oppressed by the Romans. What they would do is they would literally farm these countries by collecting taxes. And they even called them tax farms. They would actually be told how much money that country should give or that city, and then they would give it. Then they would go in to collect it afterwards, and they got to keep everything they collected. And of course, what they would do is add on a large profit. And then if they hired people, they added on even more profit. So Zacchaeus was a Jewish trader working for a Roman carpetbagger coming in to loot his country. So this shows you how blind he was by sin. And it's a picture of us. We all are blinded more than we realize by sin. And Chris, that's why we need God as light, real light is God. You know, in Galatians 1, 15 and 16, Paul said, it was God who revealed his son in me. And that's why I appreciate Witness Lee's final words there. We all need to have times of prayer where we empty ourselves out and where we pray ourselves into God because only God is light. Real prayer brings you into the triune God, and real prayer brings the triune God into you. And when you're in God and God is in you, you have genuine light that will open your eyes to how much Christ can be to you in God's economy.
2: Gary, as we've seen now so vividly in this program today, without that shining, without the genuine light, without this healing of our eyes, God's word is really a foreign language to us. But I was touched, especially as you were speaking here at the end, God himself is that light. And he does not desire to withhold the light from anyone who genuinely and honestly seeks him, does he?
1: No, that's right. Remember in John, the Lord spit on the ground and anointed the man's eyes? Right. It was what came out of the Lord's mouth that opened his eyes to see. It was the Lord's own essence that opened his eyes. So when we come to the word, like you just mentioned, we need to come prayerfully to contact God in the word, not just to read it like we would a biology book.
2: Well, Gary, it's been uh, very nice having you in California. We've uh, been able to get you in the studio twice, and I hope that you will always take our invitation whenever you're in Southern California. We invite you to stop by and spend some time with us and record another Life Study program.
1: I'll take you up on the offer.
2: And we hope you'll join us again for another Life Study of the Gospel of Luke. Let me leave you with our toll-free number. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788 and our website, www.lifestudy.com. Thank you very much for listening today.